Hello and welcome to Insights for Manufacturing. I'm your host, Jeff Beecham. In this podcast series, we'll be looking at some of the challenges and opportunities for UK manufacturing in 2022. Throughout the series, I'm hosting a range of guests from service businesses and support organisations providing subject matter expertise and guidance on a diverse range of topics affecting UK manufacturing. Today, we're going to be discussing apprenticeships and why they're vital to the growth and long-term stability of UK manufacturing. I'm pleased to welcome my guest today, Anita Davenport-Brooks. Anita is the chair of AIM, which is Apprenticeships in Manufacturing, and Group HR Manager at Land Automotive. Welcome, Anita. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Nice to meet you again, Jeff. Yes, absolutely. And we're recording this on a, on a sunny Birmingham Good Friday. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been, been looking forward to this conversation. So, can you tell me a bit about yourself, Anita, and, and how you came to be involved in, in apprenticeships? Oh, well, I've worked in human resources for over 20 years, um, but my real passion has always been people. And um, one of the things I I did when I uh, took some time out from working in human resources was to retrain as a clinical hypnotherapist and NLP coach and did cognitive behavioural therapy and counselling as well. Um, And that got me more looking into why people are the way they are, but also how people can improve and get better and what availability there is out there for different kinds of qualifications and not only grow your skill level but also you as an individual um i'd always been involved in apprenticeships to a degree uh, years ago i was an mvq assessor and verifier for a training company and i used to go out to lots of different companies big organizations doing assessing with apprentices um and i really liked seeing how they were challenged how they grew how they got substantive roles you know that that how they developed it was it it really made made the job interesting it made the job enjoyable got more into human resources and then later became um hr consultant working for myself and i got the opportunity to work for three or four different organizations and one whatever organization i worked in there was always an aspect of they wanted one or two apprentices yeah then I went to Lander as a consultant so I wasn't a permanent employee there and um probably I'd been there about three years uh and I met a guy who was really into talking about bringing in large-scale apprenticeship programs into manufacturing organizations to improve the skill levels but to also reduce your reliance on agency labour who weren't as skilled uh, and made sure that the individuals you were employing were getting some good qualifications. So I proposed it to to my director at the time and the other directors and they were a bit like, "Mm, how's this going to work? It was just before the apprenticeship levy came in. Right. And they, they could see that, yes, there was a benefit to it, especially cost wise. There was to be some savings but also the opportunity to you know grow some young people in the local area give them opportunities and jobs because in Birmingham where the factory is based it's 25% more deprived than the other areas of Birmingham yeah and the skill levels are a lot lower there's more needs and there's more uh, kids that are you know failing at school 
So eventually they agreed. We got the programme up and running in 2016 with our first cohort. And it was great to see these young people come in, learn about manufacturing, which I love. I love manufacturing and I've worked in lots of different industries. Yeah. And getting them to see that some of them that weren't that academically bright could do something, learn something and get paid. Yeah. And at the time we were paying a salary of around £10,000 a year. And the, I think the apprentice wage was a lot lower than that, around about £3.50. So they were on £5 straight away. So they were earning a lot more. And it was great to see them taking on the challenge of working in a manufacturing environment and growing and developing. Yeah. So that's really like a quick pre-say of where I've got to where I am today. Oh, that's brilliant. So how, how did the, the AIM chair role come about? Because you, you've recently um, taken over that. And I, I understand yeah. The AIM that, is, is backed by the, the government and, and other sort it of is, um, it is. It's through the Yeah, it's through the ESFA. Uh, and it's linking lots of different organisations and federations together, such as Make UK, yep. Metal Forming Council, Ingenuity, all those organisations that have got their own little groups of employers that they work with. And it was, uh, it was a, a very strange conversation in January. Uh, where end of January um, I wasn't in a good place mentally I'd, I'd just lost my mom yeah. and um, they had this message from one of the guys at the ESFA that I knew and I was already the uh, West Midlands Apprenticeship Chair um, West Midlands Apprenticeship Ambassador Network Chair yeah. and I and our region was doing really well as a to publicize apprenticeships and grow you know the our community um so that this guy contacted me you knew and said uh, can i have a five minute conversation with you and i was like yeah okay then and I, I, he said the guy called bruce he's going to give you a call and that day i'd had a bad day i didn't even switch my camera on <laughs> i was so rude and he he did a team's call with me and he was telling me about what aim was all about yeah and uh what industries and what sectors in manufacturing that, that they were trying to work on us and especially smes and he, he he was i said oh yeah that sounds interesting i thought oh, another group they want me to join and i don't know where i've got the time and and he, right at the end, he said, and how would you like to be the chair? And I went, well, isn't there somebody else better than me that could do it? And he went, Anita, you've come recommended. I went, well, who recommended me? I just didn't believe him. And I thought, is this a joke? And uh, I, I said, oh, let me think about it. I'll need to speak to my boss. How much time is this going to take up uh, and everything? Sure. So. I went away, but I think it's come from the fact that we were in the top 100 and we were 14th. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's the government ranking. And I think we won the regional uh, apprenticeship awards and we also won the nationals in, in December last year. So I think from that and the work that Lander have done and, and the apprenticeship programme and the awards that we've been very lucky to achieve, I think it, it's it's come down to, you know, well, she's involved with this. She's an ideal person to get involved in in this group as well. So I, I was um, 
I was a bit surprised and shocked, but, you know, I'm really pleased to have the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. So what are the main aims for AIM? Okay, well, we have four pillars of success. Yeah. Um, I've got it in front of me, so I'll need to look up just in case you're wondering what I'm doing. Um, And the four aims really are to grow the number of high quality apprenticeships, grow the number of opportunities for young people and those from diverse backgrounds and grow the number of manufacturing SMEs engaging with apprenticeships and grow the number of apprenticeships in new occupations, especially in response to new and emerging technologies such as uh, net zero ambitions. So, you know, and there's... And so far, we've had a couple of meetings and it's really interesting about how much, how engaged they all are and how they're really excited to to be involved with something like this and also to um, push the agenda of apprenticeships, not just in your bigger organisations, but to really try and connect more with SMEs as well and and look at those, what are the barriers to success? That's one of the key things we're working on at the moment. What are the barriers to the success of trying to achieve all these pillars of success? So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people have been talking about SMEs recently and, uh, you know, they are the backbone of of the economy and, particularly in manufacturing, you know, the SME supply chains are, are crucial to the, to mm. the OEMs and the, you know, mm. the tier one um, businesses. And quite often, you know, the SMEs don't get enough support or the right, the right type of support. A lot of the time they don't know where the support is that actually exists in the first place. Mm. So things like this, uh, you know, will be great for bringing, bringing SME companies together to, to talk about the challenges yeah, you know they all need the skills don't they you mm. know most of the mm. businesses i talk to are crying out for mm. for shop floor labor you know and you know if you're not bringing through and, and, and nurturing and training mm. fresh talent yeah the future doesn't look great so this is a great initiative and um yeah i think they've got the best person for the job based on your your recent track record <laughs> um amazing so and you know, like you say, you're you're also regional chair of the the West Midlands Apprenticeship Ambassador Network. So, yeah. what are apprenticeship ambassadors, and, and, and what does okay. that what does the network do specifically? Well, we are um, in a, the nationally. We have um, ambassador chairs in all the different regions, such as yeah. the northeast, the northwest, uh, south west, uh, southeast, and the Midlands. We work much more closely with the on the grounds kind of um, fact finding and networking. So say for the West Midlands, I have quite a big region. Yeah. So trying to get all those people to attend the meetings, we decided to do a different structure that they do not do at any of the other regions. So I have six sub-regional chairs. Yeah. So I have one for Stoke and Staffs. I have one for Worcester, Coventry and Warwickshire, the Black Country, um, the Marches, and also um, Greater Birmingham um, yeah. and Solihull. They are more focused on what other local issues there. So do we need to get the LEP engaged? Do we need to get the careers hub? Who do we need to speak to regarding uh, getting more involved in schools? 
where's the best funding and we don't just have employers there we involve training providers as well because right. that's important that they're part of the conversations so that local people can say whether they're an organization that's got two or three employees or three thousand employees that they well actually this isn't working for us where do we get this information from yeah. Um, and it's been really successful. Uh, we had one of the most successful National Apprenticeship Weeks this year, all down to uh, the work that people in our organisation do. I mean, we have uh, people involved from the West Midlands Combined Authority that come along, do presentations. We have presentations from various organisations to talk about mental health, apprenticeships and how the apprentices have coped through lockdown. Yeah. So we cover a wide range of things. And we also talk about the trailblazer groups as well. So what's working for trailblazers? What's What qualifications are missing? Uh, a lot are still complaining about the customer service qualification. You know, there's yeah. a missing gap there. Um, I talk about manufacturing and say we've got a great level two but we haven't got a level three unless you're in food and drink and then you've got the technical operator qualification. But if I want to change that, I've got to, you know, find six other employees, employers to be involved in it and then set up a trailblazer group. Yeah. Madness. Absolutely madness. It is. I understand it's about getting the quality right, but I think there's quite a lot of barriers for um, niche SMEs so the West Midlands Ambassador Network Group, one of our targets is get more SMEs involved. Yeah. And I've reported back to the ESFA. I had to do a presentation to them from an ambassador network point of view and how we've grown our network and what we've done, but also as an SME. And I made this point to them that the apprenticeship levy, great. We've got to use it. And I've been very lucky to use the levy from five different organizations which the west midlands combined authority have organized for us yeah but if you're an sme with 10 to 50 employees maybe a bit less you want somebody to tell you okay where can i get the money from where can i get the apprentices from who's going to look after the das system who's going to yeah. make sure they're on track for me you haven't got somebody in your organization that's going to want to do all that because it Absolutely. is so complex and one of the guys from the SFA, when I was doing my presentation, he says, so what you're saying is we need to have a bit of a one-stop shop for SMEs. I says, you do? I said, because it's great that you want to engage with them. Yeah. But it's all right saying, oh, if you click on here and you do this and you do that, you'll get that link to go to. An SME hasn't got that time. No, absolutely not. They haven't got the time and they're not going to employ someone just to look after that if they're only going to have two or three apprentices. And the other barrier is a lot of the providers, I think probably about three or four years ago, the government was pushing, you need to get your apprenticeship numbers up. You need to get your apprenticeship numbers up. Stop doing that. And it actually one college told us that that is true mm. and they only want the volumes. So unless you've got a hundred apprentices, a lot of providers, the bigger ones with the really good quality and the facilities are like, it's not going to work for us. It's not financially yeah. viable. So I'm yeah. sorry, we don't want to be involved. And, you know, that's a bit unfair. If yeah. you're, you, you, you know, you're really keen to grow your workforce, 
you want to give young people the opportunity but there's lots of little barriers in the way that unless you think no I'm definitely going to do this I'm going to keep pushing I'm going to keep pushing I'm going to do it you give up in the end and go oh this is another barrier this is too much yeah. I wish somebody would take this headache away from me it sounds like uh, in, in certain scenarios and this is probably one of them that the the, the apprenticeship training provider setup needs to be more flexible because it's quite rigid isn't it you know and um yeah. i mean let, let's let's talk about the apprenticeship academies and, and colleges for, for a second mm. so i've, I've mm. heard some people in uk manufacturing say that you know the machines or equipment for engineering apprenticeships for example at, at some of the training facilities are not fit for purpose mm. for today's engineering and manufacturing mm. needs you know and, and and in some areas some of the uh some of the providers just haven't got any of the right sort of equipment for the local businesses you know so mm. overall do you think the apprenticeship providers are, are really that much behind the curve i mean are, are they getting enough funding from 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 the government i don't think they're getting enough funding at all especially to invest in the future mm. uh, and to invest in new technologies i don't think they are it's your big players your big manufacturing organizations that are going to have to try and support uh, as well and when you think about it a lot of the providers are supporting those bigger manufacturers yeah because they know that if they've got gaps in their learning at the organization they're going to to get that training and development they're going to pick it up at the yeah. workplace because they've got the level of equipment the level of investment um so i definitely believe and the way technology changes the way um you know we, we want to look at net zero we want to look at all these new green initiatives so how is your smaller organizations going to do that yeah what support are they going to get how are they going to be able to look at machines that are more uh, economically viable but also you know carbon footprint um fuel energy all that yeah. kind of stuff needs to come in so if they've got a machine that's working really well, they're not going to want to change it because the investment, the capital investment is, is just too much for them. And that's the same for training providers yeah. and colleges. There are some great IOTs out there that have got some great facilities, you know, but they're doing level four, level five up qualifications. They're doing level threes, some level twos that are getting done. The equipment's not there. It's, yeah. it's not yeah. up to date, but they're not going to invest in it because they want to want to do more of these high level qualifications because that's where the money is. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what, what else is, what, 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 in your opinion, what, what's working, what, what's particularly good and, and what's, what else is not working with apprenticeships? I mean, we've, we've got mm -hmm. some of the courses I, I, I think, and I've heard are, are, are too rigid, you know, some of the, yeah. the training providers will only do the sort of block release option which doesn't suit some of the businesses and vice versa you've got the day uh the what one day a week two day a week scenarios mm. um we've got the apprenticeship levy i think there's still mixed feelings about that mm. out, out in the mm. um manufacturing community uh, this is a manufacturing podcast so I, I can only you know let's let's focus on manufacturing then there was the uh, frameworks and then that's moved towards standards um, and I did a short period of time with um, with an apprenticeship academy uh, after I was made redundant before I set up uh, Authentica Resourcing um, and that was at the time when 
yeah, it was, it was, there were still cohorts on frameworks and it was just moving to standards before mm. I left. Mm. There were courses that they didn't have standards for and they were having people coming in. There, there wasn't mm. even a standard written for it. It just seemed mm. bizarre to me. And I was sort of fairly new to the, you know, the sort of training and education environment. Mm. It just seemed, it just seemed bizarre, but do, do we need more bespoke courses to suit individual sectors or businesses? Just going back to my original question, I've yeah. sort of rambled on a bit there, but what's no. working, what's not working? Mm. I think th- there is a lot of debate about the apprenticeship levy and some organisations say, say it works well for them. Some yeah. organisations say it doesn't work well for them. So it's almost like, and it's the same with the standards, it's like we we need to get things on a level playing field and the quality right, but we're not going to take these variables into consideration. This is what we're going to do. And you've got to slot into it. You've As an organisation, you've got to slot into it. I think the government probably are looking at a bit more flexibility with the levy, especially mm. as there are more bespoke courses that are needed for larger and smaller organisations because the standards are so rigid. And like I said to you, for manufacturing, the lean one, level two, brilliant. It's a really good qualification. But a generic technical operator, which takes them up to the next level, gets them more involved, um, kind of gives them the ability to, to demonstrate more technical skills that they can learn on the job within manufacturing. Yeah. The only one that's written that I've found is in food and drink. That's bespoke for food and drink. So you've got the case where you've got bespoke qualifications that you can't use anywhere else because it's not food and drink. Mm. And then you've got other organisations that need a bespoke qualification and there are generalisations. Now, what we've done at Lando, I mean, frameworks were brilliant for us because we needed the flexibility, especially for apprentices that we wanted to do welding. Yeah or work in logistics or do other things so we said to our providers we're the customer this is what we want like our customers say to us and like we say to you know when we go into a shop or something we're the customer this is what we want yeah but we didn't do it in an aggressive way we said we want to work with you and we trust you but this is our business can you tell us what pathway they'll go through if they start on this standard, what you can deliver and how you're going to deliver it. These are the numbers we're going to have. You're going to do the recruitment for us and we'll support that and back that up. This is the programme that we want. Unfortunately, we found organisations that say, yeah, okay, we're willing to do that. But there are organisations that say, no, they need to come to us now. They're doing a level three and they need to come to us for a year. And yep. we're like, that doesn't work. Sorry. But I understand why they're doing it because for them, it's cheaper. It's better. It's they're more in control. They can reduce the amount of resources they need. So they make more profit, Yeah, which is understandable. You know, they're a business at the end of the day, but it doesn't work for everyone. And we used to have um, first eight weeks in the academy on site in Lando, which is a training room, but we call it the academy. Um, And we said that doesn't work for us anymore as a business because we'd like to get them more productive a little bit earlier. What do you think would work best as an organisation to deliver and then bring them out into the academy two hours a week 
or whatever, yeah. making sure we cover the 20% off the job. So we've worked together on that and we've been very open and said, no, that's not going to work for us or that's brilliant, that'll work for us. So they've said, that's not going to work for us, but we can do this. Yep. And I think it's about building that relationship up with the provider and getting it right and trusting each other to do it. I mean, we've had conversation with providers that have said, oh, we'll just trial it with you for like six months and see what happens. And we've gone, mm. no, we're not willing to do that. We're not willing to do that. So, and we've had other organisations that have said the numbers aren't big enough. So, yeah. sorry, we're not going to support. But then we've had others, smaller ones, that we're working with on different qualifications that have gone, yeah, we'll take ones and twos. We're happy to do that. Okay. So I think it's very mixed out there, really is mixed. And it can be very confusing for employers that are not involved a lot in apprenticeships and understanding. So if you're an SME and you, uh, just for example, you, you know, you hadn't taken on apprentices before, this this is all sort of new and, you know, you know you're only going to have one or maybe two apprentices. Where, where are businesses supposed to go to get there because obviously it is a mixed bag as you say so mm. and, and small businesses haven't got the time to go through it's like you know in the old days looking through yellow pages like now you'll do a google search and you have a load of mm. apprenticeship providers come mm. up how do you know who's good who's not good it's no good just looking at Ofsted ratings because it, that doesn't tell you how flexible and agile that academy no. or no. training provider is so what what's the best way for a, a, a business new to apprentices to actually get the right sort of information. I mean, they got time to be doing a lot of peer-to-peer -peer networking to find out who's good. Because if if one of their uh, associate businesses mm. use a provider and they're good for them, doesn't mean to say it's gonna mm. it's gonna work out for them. So, what 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 do you suggest? Should, should they talk to local organisations like the ones you're you're chairing? Yeah, I think so. Those kind of organisations. I mean, even if uh, I mean, I've got close links with the ESFA and I've got a coordinator that I have a regular meeting with that talks about lander only, doesn't yeah. talk about anything else. And I'm involved in talks about T levels, talks about traineeships, all those kind of things with me and our involvement in them. But it is all about looking at what kind of is the best practice out there and doing your own research? I mean, the ESFA would point you to the government website and they'd point you to the list of providers that they've got listed, but that's just a list. You've got organisations like Next Gen Makers that yep. they do a lot of videos and talking about apprenticeships, what's worked in organisations, what hasn't. That's Adam Tipper, right? Yeah, Adam yep. Tipper, really good. I would recommend anybody to contact them and say, I need some you know, signposting, I need someone to help me. West Midlands Apprenticeship Ambassador Network, that's good because we can do more bespoke stuff in your area within yeah. the region. Um, but also the West Midlands Combined Authority, really good uh, in, uh, in uh, the West Midlands. I don't know of any organisations like more nationally uh, to work with. But it's, it is a case of you're going to have to knuckle down and, and look for that yeah. information yeah, and, and do a lot of your own research. And once you've done that, it's then trying to link up with as many people as possible and ask as many questions as you can. Yeah. Because somebody will lead you somewhere else and they may get in, you know, in touch with the, the, the provider and you think, wow, this, this is really going to work or it's not going to work. Yeah. But it is all about 
going out and doing the work yourself and finding yeah. out about it. Nobody's going to hand you a little parcel and say, here you go, here's your perfect little package and you'll be able to recruit your apprenticeship apprentice now and, and it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And I, I suppose the, the other businesses or, or organisations, they, they don't actually know what your individual company is looking for or, or what your needs are anyway. So I, no. I suppose it does it does make sense put it in that effort and time it, it's mm. an investment isn't it that's going to mm. going to pay dividends mm. rather than just mm. having a load of uh generic conversations with mm. generic mm. organizations mm. You, you need to have your own criteria wants yeah. and needs and then mm. go out and find who can match mm. that for you i suppose absolutely absolutely okay so do you think that the the large oems could do more to support apprenticeship training providers themselves we spoke earlier about mm. you know some of the, the training providers haven't got the, the right sort of level of equipment and, and kit um oems typically would take bigger numbers of apprentices and i suppose from my you know from my point of view i've seen it many many times over the last 20 years of recruitment that oems yeah. typically at all levels uh they they do take staff from their own SME supply chain so mm. I, I personally I mm. think that there is a an element of you know should OEM support yes I think they should support their SMEs more yeah. but should they yeah. support their apprenticeship training providers more whether that's with funding or maybe releasing some some you know very skilled individuals to to help out with you know some uh some training at the providers because mm. i know the providers are always crying out for assessors and tutors and things like yeah. that you know especially mm. in manufacturing mm. so do, do you think that's a fair comment could could the oems do more to support the providers I, th I think it's a mixed bag really some do some do some work really closely with the the providers and they they do offer that they get very heavily involved in the trailblazing groups as well and are really interested about how those working um i think some of them have uh, managed to set up their own academies and yes. they're very successful and they take some of their supply chain the apprentices from their supply chain and support them but i think the i think what what's one of the problems is that would be an improvement is that the levy that they can't spend if there was a possibility they could reinvest that somehow into supporting providers mm. rather than it go to waste you know i've been lucky to utilize levy from big organizations um, for different cohorts and I, i've cost wise it's covered around about the cost of like two hundred thousand pounds in qualifications yeah. Yeah. You think about a provider that could do something with that money to improve equipment. So I think if there was a possibility of the government looking at potentially some of the levy funds that have not been used, yep. could that be reinvested into providers to buy the right equipment or even support more to get the right assessors in? I mean, one of the, the issues we found with assessors at Lander is that 
it was a language barrier because we were trying to put some of the operators through a level two qualification. So I said to them very cheekily, okay, you can't get the assessors, you can't employ them. I've got two people in my team that speak Polish. Yep. Really fluent. Pay for them to do an assessor qualification and we'll do the assessing. And they debated for about, I don't know, three months. And in the end, they said, oh, okay, all right, then how many people are you going to put through? And I said, probably about 90% of our shop floor on a level two qualification. Wow. And they were like, okay, then, right, yes, definitely you can have it free. Yeah. But it's about negotiation and thinking, well, I mean, the qualification wasn't that expensive, but it was the principle of the thing. It's about that negotiation and saying, look, you can do this for us. We'll do this for you. Yeah. And I think if the government could see that that levy is going to be invested in new technologies, in greener technologies, and it's going to help the providers help the employers more, yep. then I think that would be a really good use of some of the levy money that's, that's probably going to just go back to the government. Absolutely. I, you know, it's bad enough with, uh, you know, with some of the SME companies not being mm. able to take on apprentices. They're, they're, mm. there's, there's a certain amount of levy funding that is just going down the plug hole, as far as I'm mm. concerned, you know, because nobody's benefiting mm. from it, uh, you know, in, in, you know, manufacturing. Um, so, yeah, it, yeah, let's let's spend it on try and get it to more SMEs. But also mm. I think that'd be a great idea um diverting some of that un, unused levy into some of the providers you know because uh, they rely on on funding and um yeah yeah some of them are struggling with uh, getting mm. the right sort of equipment so that's mm. a great idea so we're, we're coming towards the the end of our podcast today mm. but i it would it would have been absolutely remiss of me not to talk about some of the successes you've been having at lander automotive um you know the, the business has, has formed this uh, you know it's a bit of a habit of winning awards hasn't it you know um mx awards 2016 uh mm -hmm. the eef when it was eef awards 2016 yeah. semter mm -hmm. skills awards 2017 mm -hmm. top 100 apprenticeship employer mm -hmm. regional nas awards winner 2019 the manufacturing manufacturers excellence awards people and skills 2019 mm. sme employee of the year i'm gonna to have to catch my breath now there's so many of them triple <laughs> awards winners at, at uh, the manufacturers mm -hmm. uh, manufacturing excellence awards 2021 the only thing that, that is springing to mind at the moment is what is the secret to lander's success i mean there are too many awards there for any of them to be a fluke mm. you're clearly doing some really really fantastic mm. work mm within the business um not just on skills but on other things as well but mm. you know how, how have you managed all of that you know because it, it doesn't seem to be stopping there either no well it's it's all about the people and the culture of mm. the organization and we see the awards as recognition for the work that our employees do yeah you know it, it, it is mainly all about them uh, we've got some great leaders that truly believe that people and their development and the growth of the business is really important. And the, the apprenticeship programme has helped us to retain employees, grow our employees and put them into roles that, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to get into when they first started in manufacturing. Yeah. 
and it's it's being brave and saying this young person i mean i had a visit from a, an organization uh, this week who are in Bournemouth and they're thinking I'm doing apprentices I met them at the top 100 and um, event in London and it, he came to me and he said the MD I just want to understand you know why you, you use apprentices in the way that you do and how you grow them so I said come on we're going on the shop floor did my usual speech talked yep. about apprenticeships and all that kind of thing and what the program and what we do and i knew uh, this week even though it's been a quiet week we've got two of our team leader apprentices on the shop floor so i went up to them and uh, i said uh, let me introduce you to the first guy he's still a year two coming up to year three apprentice um still wearing his apprentice uniform but he's got his team leader jacket Tell him your story. So he said, I started in manufacturing, da, 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 just talked about his story. Yeah. And I'm now in a, a team leader and I manage this line on, on this shift. And then the next guy, he works on the opposite shift. Um, again, you tell him your story, similar story. And they, they spotted me. I then got the opportunity to be the team leader on the second shift. We work together and we both manage the, the two shifts. How old are you? One's 22, the one's 23. And he just looked as I would say. So, but you've got to realise is they've learned so much in the first 12 months all about manufacturing, all about the quality, yeah. all about targets, that they become it becomes ingrained in them. And then they move up, they get the opportunity, they learn more about what it's like to manage people, they get the coaching, yeah. they get the development. And we see the awards as demonstrating we talk about their stories and we say this is what our people are doing this is how they're growing this is how they're developing this is what they're getting involved in and they talk about it to people coming in and it's recognizing that that the hard work that they do yeah even like our supply chain excellence that we won our operational excellence that's all down to people working hard following the processes and procedures, coming up with new ideas and helping us to be better as a business and having the ability to do that. You know, nobody's going to go, well, that's a stupid idea. Everybody's like, okay, you've got an idea. We want to hear about it as a yep. business because it helps us to grow. So it's recognising that everybody's got a contribution to make and everybody in the business knows that. And one thing with the TMX Awards and I had the opportunity to speak uh, last month to a group of people in London about those awards because they were relaunching them. Yeah. And I said, it's great that they come on site, that they speak to our people. They look at what we do. They look at how we do it. There's no hiding place. And they see that actually what we've put down in our submission is actually what we do. Mm. We're not just making it all up. We're just saying, well, this is Lander. This is what we do here. And this is what our people do. And this is how we all work together. And this is our culture. And they've yeah. gone, tick. Yes, you do. So it's it's the recognition of, yes, that's the way we are. That's what we do. And we, we're consistent in doing it. Yeah. And we don't think, oh, well, yeah, we'd like to do that. And if we put it in, then, you know, we, we, they can see that we are doing something about it. Even things that we say we'd like to do in the future, we admit, but we're not there yet. Yeah. They'll give us pointers and ideas on 
yeah, well, maybe if you did this, you could improve it or get there faster or you could do this, you could do that. And that's why we see so much value in entering the awards. The recognition is fantastic and we love it and it's great for us all. But to get the feedback and the census check that, you know, are we doing the right things as a business? Yeah. Well, that's that's fantastic. And it's, you know, you you it seems to me that you're taking an authentic approach to your people development and, mm. you know, some, some organizations and some individuals see winning awards as, as just like a badge. It's, you know, it's, yeah, this is what I've done. Mm. But as you say, it's, it's taken a lot of hard work and determination from everybody involved, you know, from, from your trainers, your managers, the, the, the people, and I loved what you said, you know, the first thing that you said was, you know, it's about the people and yeah. that's what it should be about, you know. So what a great way to, to, to you know, continue to develop what already sounds like a, a, an amazing culture within mm. within Lander to begin with. So uh, mm. well done to everybody involved. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where you are in the awards over the coming 12 months. I'm sure you'll be up there again. Um, jostling for, for position with, with other businesses. So uh so really, we're at the end of the the, the podcast uh, for today. It's been a, a really great conversation. I've learned some more about apprenticeships and some of the challenges. Mm -hmm. um, just finally want to ask you, what, what plans do you have during the, you know, the rest of this year? Um, any exciting news or any sort of developments around apprenticeships uh, or anything else? Well, yeah, well, I mean, Lander now are growing, so we're not an SME anymore. Now we've acquired uh, two new businesses. Um, yeah. We plan to put apprenticeship programs in those businesses, but we've also acquired a site in the USA. Wow! And over there, they're, they're they're really struggling to recruit, but they are keen to talk about apprenticeships and an apprenticeship program. Mm. So we may go international as far as apprentices Brilliant. are concerned and look at how we can develop people. I mean, the, the, the factory is in a very small town. It previously didn't have a brilliant reputation, um, but we really want to turn it around. And I had the privilege this week to talk to the HR uh, manager on site there about all the things that we do at Lander to engage with people and the development. And she was just like, Oh, wow. Can, can we do that? And I was like, of course you can. I, even the Easter eggs, you know, that are posted yeah, on, on yeah. LinkedIn. I said to yeah. her, this is what we've been giving out. I'll send you the email. This is what we've done. She said, I've got two days. I could buy a load of Easter eggs now and <laughs> I could give them out. And I went, brilliant. Send me a yeah. photograph, which she did last night. Brilliant. And I thought that's just little things to do to engage to get the culture and the idea of what Lander is about. Yeah. Uh, and then start introducing the other stuff as well, you know, get them thinking the way we think, we think as a family, we think about supporting each other, we think about growing, we think manufacturing is important. Yeah. So, you know, we're doing that at the other two sites, they're more engaged. So I think really for us, it's about growing the Lander family. Yeah. And what a great phrase, growing the land of family. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. Anita, thank you very much for coming on uh, this morning. It's been a, a pleasure to uh, to talk to you. Uh, I wish you all the very best uh, for the rest of this year. So that's it. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion today. Yeah, um, thank thanks you. again to Anita. Thank you for listening and look out for the next episode of Insights for Manufacturing. See you next time and bye-bye.